Hello Internet, my name is Walter Ciades Fedchuk and welcome back to the second episode, but first recorded episode following the uh, the 2022 Oscars. Yes, we are uh, we are behind the eight ball on it. We've only covered uh, two movies that were part of the Oscars, but we got a third one here for you today. And I think the Oscars helped kind of uh, kind of show us what movies are actually worthwhile. What should we, you know, actually pay attention to? What do we want to talk about? Uh, and of course, when I say we, I of course mean my extremely talented and I would like to say generous co-host, Chase <laughs> Redshirt King Wassener. Chase, how are you doing on this lovely evening as we record? Well, I mean, right now I'm feeling hashtag blessed because both because of the subject matter of today's film and because I got such a generous introduction from my from my host here. I, I mean, honestly, this is fun because this was a movie that I threw out there as like a quick hit of like, yeah, so here are a couple of things you need to know about it. I'm sure we're not going to watch it for the podcast because why why would we? Um, and then we were looking at like films that we had both seen and that we both had interest in for this week. And you know, we've got to turn our eyes to Tammy Faye. What, what can I say? You know, looking at everything, and I know we had talked about maybe covering another movie, but I just hadn't had time to watch it because it was something that my my partner also wanted to watch, and we just didn't have time over the last couple of weeks to get to it. Um, so I thought, you know, what could be a better follow-up to Nightmare Alley, which is a movie about a, a con man with an accent that kind of is based out in, you know, the West mm -hmm. of the United States. Then following up with another movie that talks about a family of con people kind <laughs> of operating out in the Western United States, just like the Baker family is. Because let's be honest, of course, we're talking about the eyes of F Tammy Faye, but at the end of the day, the Baker family were con men. <laughs> Oh my God, just the worst. And I I understand why the film couldn't be about all of the horrible things that they did and just that, because that would have been a real bummer of a film and it wouldn't have matched the tone of anything that they were going for. But there are so many times where I watched, you know, like was watching this and it's like, oh, we're really just paving over that, huh? We're going to really just uh, let that be a footnote here. Um, it, it is... It is wild to watch because both of the, the people that are, you know, Jim and, and Tammy Faye are easily condemnable, particularly Jim Baker. Jim Baker is a horrendous piece of shit of a human being uh, between the sexual assault stuff and the uh, the fraud stuff and everything else. Um, and then circling back around after having been in prison for a decade and coming back and doing the same thing he used to do with a second wife with no remorse or shame whatsoever. Like, unapologetically horrendous human being uh, that this movie only kind of touches on just how bad he truly is. But Tammy Faye is also someone who, while she certainly far more progressive than all of the incredibly hateful and bigoted people that she finds herself surrounded by. And those uh, acceptances are, are noteworthy. You know, they're, they are worth acknowledging and taking into account. Her complicity in all of this should not be understated. And it is 
incredibly understated because the film just decides that they don't want you to think of Tammy that way. So she's just a victim and pay no attention to the multiple extensions of her house that she would have had to put together with the rhetoric that they were putting on that TV channel and recognize that maybe, maybe things weren't quite on the level. Perhaps. Possibly. I think part of it is that when you look at the the TV evangelists, uh, evangelicals of the era, that all of them are detestable, condemnable human beings. I mean, they exist up until nowadays. We have Jerry Falwell Jr. finally being kicked out of Liberty University, uh, you know, within the last year or so because of his sexual misconduct and his misconduct as the, as the president of, of the university. Uh, obviously, Pat Robertson, a uh, detestable human being, you know, tried running for president. Um, just in general, the, the people of that era that are doing this grift are um, horrible people. And I don't think that I, I'm going to try and temper myself a little because I have no, I know I've brought up sort of some of my religious thoughts and that I'm agnostic and that I'm not very pro-religion in my own life. And I, I do sort of detest the con artistry and the taking advantage of people. And, you know, I think that there is the people that need faith. I, I totally understand that and I'm all for that. And, you know, whatever helps you get through the day, I'm never going to condemn an individual for their faith, for their beliefs. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about the Bakers, when you talk about Pat Robertson, when you talk about the Falwells, this isn't about faith to them. This is a business and they are in the business. The Joel Olsteins, who I actually really want to bring his name out just because he's been you know, such a big person uh, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years as a modern evangelist. Mm -hmm. They aren't there for faith. They aren't there for belief. They are there to get people who need to believe in something, you know, down, destitute, that are are begging for, you know, uh, guidance, begging for a connection from God. And they are selling the, well, yeah, if you send me money, you'll you'll get connected to God, which is, you know, so funny when, when Baker, you know, towards the beginning of the movie talks about that, well, God doesn't want you to be poor. Why, why would God want you to be poor? Heaven, heaven isn't like the ultimate, you know, it's sure it's, it's heaven. It's the ultimate ending, but why do you have to be destitute before you get there? And when that happens, it, it, it curdles my, my soul to hear that thought and to just understand like, yeah, hey, that's how these people think. That's how they operate. I just think that with Tammy, because she does have this um, attachment to the LGBTQ community in, in a small way, that people are very quick to absolve her of her other sins because hey you know what at least she was willing to reach out at least she did act upon this well you should love everyone you should love everyone equally you know why are we denying them you know god's grace god loves everyone jesus loves everyone it doesn't say jesus loves you except gays trans people you know whatever there's no list it's just god loves you so I think that's why people are so quick to just sort of absolve her of all the other stuff and go, you know, it was a different time. She didn't really run the finances, yada, yada, yada. And Jim's yada. so much worse, right? Like Jim Baker is one of the most detestable human beings 
currently, again, still operating as a televangelist today. There was a Knowledge Fight episode within the past year of him inviting a guy on who wrote a book called The Court of Heaven, in which he argued (laughs) that heaven has a full-on judicial system in which you can, like, appeal for damages for things that went wrong in your life. Like, like full-on, like, file a motion the way that apparently Job did in this guy's mind. Like, he's still doing the whole, well, you know, God came to me in a dream last night and said that we need a new parking lot here at the studio and people should send us money to, uh, to, to get that parking lot. To this day, as we are talking about them right now jim baker still on his bullshit tammy faye once the divorce happens she stops doing that right you know we can argue about what's in somebody's heart all day and night but there is at least some amount of like stepping back and doing good that she does with the rest of her life she actively supports a lot of lgbtq plus charities and that's good um, you know, not, not going to put an asterisk on that just because I judge some of her other actions harshly, you know, um, there's a reason that she had a documentary made about her in 2000 that was narrated by RuPaul of RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, a, a prominent drag queen loves Tammy Faye regularly has challenges on drag race that are in the spirit of Tammy Faye Baker and this idea of someone who was larger than life and, could be a bit strong and a bit ridiculous, but always had this kind of passion and love that she put forward in this kind of religious um, context in a way that for television played into some of these um, same kind of character elements that you'll see drag queens still participate in today. Like there's some, some, some things in Tammy Faye that are remarkable and admirable and this film really wants to focus on those things and therefore abdicates its responsibility to cover the rest of it because the truth is that no one is any one person and all of the things about tammy faye that are good about her that are worth celebrating about her does not negate all of the other elements of what it is that she did and why she was on that show in the first place, and how the fundraising that she put forward in that constant push for more and more money for her and her husband for decades ended up impacting all of the people who watched that show and genuinely believed in what was being sold, this idea that if you give money, God will give you back more and then some, that you are investing in your soul, investing in positive things happening by making this... this couple richer. Um, she did that. She a hundred percent did that. She did that having to know what it is that she was doing and choosing to do it anyway. And if you acknowledge that you could have like a really interesting nuanced conversation about how that wraps up and the complications therein. And this film just kind of punts on it. So now we have to talk about it here in the opening section before we even really get into the film because the film won't and somebody should, you know? Yes. And as you said earlier, if they did really focus on her complicity, um, her accomplicehood to these crimes and and to these violations, um, then 
it, it wouldn't be the movie that it is. And I think it is it is very the way they tell this movie, the way they they write it, it is very easy to turn Tammy Faye into a very sympathetic character. Um, I I know I watched it by myself. Um, you know, I, I put it on and I, I watched half of it one night and then I watched, you know, the other half the next day. And when, you know, she has her, her second child, that entire thing of it, you know, she cheats on Jim, so on and so forth. And that he makes her go on TV to admit to the adultery and to, um, you know, ask for forgiveness of the congregation and everyone. And it ultimately is that it's a money-making ploy by him. He, I don't think he actually cares about, you of know, course or not. anything. It's, course it is, it is, it is so difficult to take that moment and to not feel incredibly sorry for this person. <laughs> and just, just incredibly that she is being manipulated in, in this particular moment. Does it absolve her of everything else? No. It absolutely shouldn't. But it is very clear that the way they wrote this movie, the way they directed it, the way they they portrayed everything in front of us, that at the end of this, they wanted Tammy Faye to be a sympathetic character and to almost be that she just got caught up in everything. That, you know, in reality, she wasn't the one doing all of these negative things. And when she did do something bad, it was, you know, because everyone else told her it was okay. That even yeah. she had been convinced of this con by Jim Baker. Yeah, she did it for love. You know, it's different. It's different. Except for the ways in which it's not. But for the sake of the film, it's definitely different. And again... Those differences do matter. And Jim Baker is a far worse human being and far less justifiable or salvageable um, than, than she is. And, and the nuance with her is deserved, even if I think it swings too far this time around. And the movie is smart enough to not try to provide that nuance to him because he is unredeemable. And I'm glad they at least got that element correct because as much as Andrew Garfield is a charismatic human being, I do not think there is any moment of that film in which he strikes you as a particular, particularly likable human being, you know? Do we want, do we want to talk about Garfield now or do we want to hang on for a little bit? I look, man, I will lead it up to you. Um, I just, Let, let's, I really hate Jim Baker. I just want to be clear <laughs> on that. That's really, I just, God, he sucks well, so much. You know what? Let let's get Jim Baker. Let's get Andrew Garfield out of the way, and let's get let's get the other like bigger name that was in this, Vincent Dorfino. Um, I I feel terrible for Garfield and Dorfino because they are playing such utterly hateable, detestable men, and they play they play it very well. They show that they are very hateable, detestable men. Um, but the accents, oh my God, their voices were just so bad. Garfield, I oh my God, it, it was terrible. It was it was absolutely terrible, and I I do understand Baker does have sort of a a little bit of a higher you know pitch and and does kind of speak with a bit of a lisp, um, but I I couldn't watch Garfield and I didn't believe he was Jim Baker at all. He was Andrew Garfield playing a role. There was yeah. nothing about that role that went like I am immersing myself in this and allowing myself to believe that this is Jim Baker on my screen. It's like no. This is Andrew Garfield, an actor that I love, mm -hmm. playing a role of a person that I hate. Mm -hmm. And it really made it hard to watch. And then Dorfino, 
every time he would talk, Kingpin would squeak out a little bit. That he, he has a very, very distinct voice that the first time he showed on, on screen when Jerry Farwell first appears, I go, that can't be Dustin Hoffman. That, that, no, no. And then, uh, then he spoke. I was like, oh, it's Vincent Dorfito. Got it. Um, I mean, they, they, they did a decent job, but what, neither of them were their roles. They were both the, the actors, unfortunately, for me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's true of uh, most people in this film, unfortunately. It's a very uneven cast. I, I like D'Onofrio a lot. I think he's a great actor, and I, I liked him in Kingpin. Um, and he carries the kind of menace that, um, uh, that, that I would say that Jerry Falwell has. But the, yes. the key with Jerry Falwell, he is a very hateful human being and is incredibly standoffish. And that's kind of like your baseline for a D'Onofrio performance. So, like, what is he doing to mix up what he typically brings to the table? Not very much, right? And And that could be fine, right? Like, there's nothing that says that, like, every character needs to be some, like, remaking of the stereotypes you expect from an actor. Kate Blanchett was incredible in Nightmare Alley doing Kate Blanchett things, right? Like she didn't need to remake the wheel in order to personify a character that was uh, captivating, but that was also a fictional character. This is a real person. And I, I think the, uh, the cracks kind of show um, when it's so close to who these people just kind of naturally are. And, and Andrew Garfield's the same way. Like he, he understood what it means to be a scammer. He understood what it means to be a bad boyfriend, bad husband, um, a con artist, perhaps, like as far as like the charisma there. But if you listen to a Jim Baker speech, you know, really go back and check out the clips of Jim Baker doing his shtick and compare it to Andrew Garfield's performance I, I don't think that he captured that angle well. Um, I, it's almost parody. A little bit, yeah. I see what you're saying with that. Like, it's... He's, like, clearly, like, going for something, but it, it's not a grounded performance, and it's certainly not so over-the-top as to be funny, because, again, there's never a moment in which the film wants you to have empathy for him and his awfulness... And his ability to scam is used as the uh, contrast, you know, and in, you know, you use him being as bad as he is to justify, oh, well, Tammy Faye just got sucked in by somebody who um, did the classic Bible camp move of just having these quotes at the ready, which is someone who went to Catholic school for 12 years, that whole romance. Like, I, I know the people at my high school that they were simulating and I would also believe that those people would have gone on to be massive scam artists had they found the opportunity to do so. So, like, I I know the type. I get I get the archetype of like that meeting sequence, but it doesn't last. It doesn't permeate, and and it's the inconsistency in Garfield's performance that I think really loses me. Um, as well as Dorfino does in sort of the like, you know, this presence, this just you know awful presence that i'm going to take over everything and 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 inevitable there's just an inevitability to his you know what he does with with Falwell. um i actually do want to praise garfield for one thing other than just panning him i do think he did a very good job at sort of 
showing the mania the between the you know the emotions though that you know the, i think he did a really good job crying now i didn't believe it for a second which hey that's kind of part of the thing that's what a con artist would do but mm-hmm. the crocodile te- tears i think he did a really good job at and then when the scene would change and baker is now like happy and like oh i came up with a great idea like i think he did a very good job balancing those two and really showing kind of the the difference between these two very polar opposite kind of moments um when when he's yelling at uh tammy Faye and does like the the betty boop thing your stupid betty boop voice i think he does a very good job conveying like anger and hatred in that moment it's just like the rest of it that's just very muddled and and like the, the the high points where he really has to be emotional and get into the role are good but the rest of it is like it's andrew garfield mem- that memorized lines and is just saying lines it's it's not good it's, it's not very consistency good. and it, and it's, it's a lack of connection to the source material in that kind of deeper religious understanding of like what it is that he's saying and how the con works right if you're gonna do the televangelist grifter you have to understand the grift and I don't think that if you were to ask Andrew Garfield what makes Jim Baker different from a non-religious grifter, uh, that he would have a great answer for it. Because I, I don't think he ever found that level to it. Um, you, you, I just thought of this right now. You can tell he, he is not into this role the same way that Adam Driver was into playing Maurizio in House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. And I think the comparison, which will now lead us to talking about, you know, Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye, I think is very palpable that when you have, you know, Jessica Chastain or Lady Gaga playing a role that you can tell they are very invested into. They are very invested into the role and what they are trying to accomplish through this movie. And then the comparison of the actors around them and whether they're also invested in it. I don't want to say it makes Chastain shine brighter because the rest of the movie seems worse. But she kind of does shine very brightly in this movie because she cares about the source material and she cares about the person that she is portraying. Um, I mean, obviously she won an Oscar, so she did a pretty good job. But what, you know, what were your thoughts about the performance? Yeah, I mean, she nailed it. She's the entire reason you watch this film. That's when when we talked about it previously on uh, on the show. That was my my main takeaway. And it continues to be my main takeaway with this film is just how well Jessica Chastain absorbed herself in the role. She understood the nuance of the person that she was playing. Um, And you get that from the very beginning when she's like dealing with uh, the makeup person and the idea of like the eyebrows are always on and the, the makeup has kind of been so baked in because that's just who she is now and she can't go back. And that kind of angle to her, the kind of tragic aspects of the character really do shine throughout and and you get those those moments right you know when she breaks with the kind of you know jerry falwell group and interviews that aids patient on the show and and humanizes them in that way like that's a big moment and you learn so much about the character through that choice and jessica nails it absolutely nails it the, the tone of that interview, her willingness to push forward and be honest at a table of people who very clearly did not want 
to hear her opinion, much less take it seriously and pushing forward anyway, knowing what that would mean. You know, the, the moments in which Tammy Faye and this film shines brightest are the ones in which Jessica Chastain really gets to hammer in that humanity. You know, the, the idea of someone who has at least on a basic level, a desire to be kind and good and has built up in their head that religion is the way to do that. And therefore kind of makes this conclusion of like, well, how do I make the most out of the opportunity that I have been given and, and how she gets to where she gets to is incredibly humanizing and incredibly well done. Um, any criticism I have about like how the character is handled is entirely a scripting thing. I think with the material that she was given, Jessica Chastain got every ounce of what there was to get out of it. And I think that the, uh, the Oscar going her way was entirely deserved. Um, I know that my uh, roommate would have been very happy with Kristen Stewart getting the win uh, as princess Diana, but I, I mean, I, uh, haven't seen that one yet so i uh i i felt very confident of the ones that i did see that eyes of tammy faye uh i think jessica Jastain deserved it and i i give her a lot of credit for how well she she just was always on you know the the consistency that uh i was frustrated with with some of these other characters and the uh the uneven tone that i felt like the script provided uh, at times she remains a rock throughout she remains feeling real and human throughout uh and i think that's just a testament to how well uh jessica was able to um, uh take on that role the character feels lifted and i know it's hard to say as we're saying this we're saying character 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 because at the end of the day tammy faye was a real person a li real living breathing person that you know the story is based off of her life and i'm sure you know there are bits and pieces that are dramatized for the silver screen um but at the end of the day it, it isn't a character it's not something that you really can just make up on the spot because you want to be truthful or as truthful as the script allows you to the source material but the character feels lived in mm -hmm. the emotion comes through in all of these different scenes and every smile feels real every crack of the diet coke or clink of the glass or the the scene where they are at pat robertson's house for the very for you know for the the time and they meet jerry falwell for the first time and she just walks over there and like hands the baby to Jim and is like, oh, I'm going to get a chair and like makes that willing decision to be like, I want to be part of this. And then has this very blunt, honest proclamation of, well, who are we to tell them they can't go to heaven? Who are we to tell them that they aren't loved by God? And this just, it's very endearing. It is very, um, almost innocent in a way that when you know the rest of the story and you know the people that she is sitting around and, and again, the, the awful people that they are, for someone to have the audacity to sit there and to just say something like a child would, but also be completely committed to that fact because, you know, Tammy Faye believes that. She mm -hmm. genuinely believes that. And when they have the lines like, I just want to love everyone, 
You believe that. It feels real. It feels true. Counterpointed by, you know, when she's crying after giving birth to her son or, the, you know, the scene right after that, she's crying on, uh, you know, TV because she's admitting this and is very clearly being used as a fundraising opportunity because so many people will feel bad for you and everyone loves a redemption story. Everybody loves a redemption story to, I think, what feels almost like a throwaway scene but then matters so much at the very end of the movie where they're trying on the fur coats with the with the daughter and her mother and she convinces her mother to take the coat mm -hmm. and that scene does go like i'm pretty sure tammy knows what she's kind of doing is wrong but mm -hmm. she believes because she thinks they're doing good that well if you do good you get rewarded and that's what this is this is me being rewarded here on earth for the good that i'm doing here because it would feel wrong to be doing all this good here now, and then I don't get to enjoy it until until the afterlife, until I you know I get into the you know into heaven. And it is it is brilliantly done because it isn't a like yes take the coat take the coat <laughs> but it's like well mom that the, the coat fits you it's warm it'll last forever like just you know it's no big deal we can afford it don't worry about it I you know yada yada and then. At her mother's funeral at the end, which I think that little, that little like five minute chunk there at the end after she meets Jim in prison, I think is, is just, is so well done. I think it, it really shows there kind of at the end, the synopsis of Tammy Faye as a person of she did these bad things and she is casting those off from her because that is in her past and she feels she has been punished and is, and is living out her penance for that. That she just, you know, sees her mother die, you know, essentially sees the ghost of her mother. And then we have the funeral scene and that her stepfather, half-father, you know, whatever, they they had hidden the coat after, you know, and this is, you know, 10 minutes or so after they do the entire, they get evicted from everywhere. And Falwell has the discussion with her mother of like, well, the church owns the house. You can't live there anymore. And that's very like... All, you know, all, everything that they've done wrong is coming home to roost and her mother being evicted from this house they built for her. That's like part of Tammy's consequences. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's something very tangible to her because it is very clear throughout the course of the movie that relationship with her mother is probably the most important thing to her. I think more important than anything else is that relationship with her mother because that's essentially what sort of starts this con artistry this obsession with religion is that she wasn't allowed to participate with her family and she feels that she has to pretend to you know speak in tongues to get into the church so the church will accept her so then she can spend time with her mother um yeah which, I, I, that whole angle is really well done too you you feel yeah. for young tammy faye and you get how someone would build themselves as like well I'm being told because of how I was born in circumstances that are completely outside of my control that I'm not allowed into church, which means I can't go to heaven, which means that I'm doomed unless I find my way in. And that's the kind of mentality that would lead someone to take such a proactive role um, in the church the way that she does. I, I will say as a, a mild um, uh, disagreement here, I, I do think the word character is fair for Tammy Faye because I, I think that one of the th reasons that she is still talked about to this day 
and that she is like as beloved as she is by like the drag race community and, and everything else is that she was incredibly over the top. She was a larger than life individual um, by the nature of uh, what it was that she chose to um, uh, to to kind of prioritize and present herself as um, she was always big and bold and kind of hardwired to be on TV, you know, in in a better world, she finds someone who isn't Jim Baker, who is charismatic and helps get her onto a television screen while also helping her recognize that the specific angle that she's taking with religion is toxic and leading to these other negatives. And that there's a why there is a direct connection between the beliefs that she is espousing on the show and the kinds of people that she is disagreeing with in private, but having to be connected to in, in public, um, you know, in a better world, that's how it plays out. And when we're talking about uh, Tammy Faye in, in a, a purely positive context, in a, know? in a better, in a different world, she's Sherry Lewis. Yeah. Lamb chops, lamb chop. She's Sherry Lewis. That's, and I, I will say I was reminded of that um, kind of comparison while I watched the movie and like the first couple of times that the puppets come out, I was like, oh, this reminds me of, you know, Lamb Chop sing-along. Like, okay, like, cool. I, I get like, this is a brilliant idea. And I think that's a very good point to bring up. Everybody Loves Puppets is on every Drag Race season to this day. There is always a puppet panel because of her. Because who would do that, right? Who would take puppets out as a way to teach people about God on this you know, in, in this very wholesome way on a program that is otherwise monstrous, you know, it, it's just kind of a a surreal contrast to, to see in hindsight, but that perfectly encaptures the nature of Tammy Faye, someone who is um, a, a, you know, some, who radiates positivity, who radiates an idea of love and kindness and acceptance and is so hard focused on her own view of the best way to do that, that she has these blind spots. Now, do I believe that she is as blind as the movie wants us to believe that she is? No, I absolutely do not. The movie is 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 written up and scripted to a level that is beyond belief in terms of trying to wipe her of any culpability for what is happening. But you get why the film would want to spend so much time separating her because she is different. She is beyond just a person and the situation that she was in. She was a character and she made herself a character who, as she points out in the very opening scene, is always on, is always performing, is always like that light and that um, bright energy and that uh, that kind of like radiating spirit that you see in her, um, that's a choice. And it, it's a, it's one that Jessica handles really, really well. And, and so uh, while she is a real person and it's important to, uh, to recognize the humanity in her, I think recognizing the fact that she is also a character that has built herself into this persona in order to fulfill these things that she believes are valuable and that that can add to conversations and, and give representation to a community and the LGBT community that was not getting any sort of representation within the 
Christian circles at that time, like that, that part of it, that mesh of the person versus the character is what you need for this film to work. And she nails it. It's, it's the reason that this film, despite all of my other criticisms of it does ultimately work because she can do both. Absolutely. I, again, there's a reason that Chastain won Oscar for best actress this year. And, um, you know, I agree. I don't think this is a, a, I don't think this is a perfect movie by any stretch of the word. Perfect. I don't even know if it, if it's a great movie and we'll get to rankings, you know, at the end, uh, you know, after we touch on a couple more things, but I don't think anyone can say after watching this movie that Jessica Chastain did not act her fucking ass off, did not make that role work. And I don't know if there's any other actress that probably could have done the job that she did here. I think it it took a very particular person, a very um, particular investment into the character to make this role in this movie work. And I, I, I can't say enough about it. I'm very glad that she was nominated and ultimately won because it did... That's the only thing that would have pulled me into watching this movie. Um, I know you've mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race. We brought up sort of the the LGBTQ community a little bit. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on in regards to that? Uh, I know you bring up, you know, there's always puppets. I I know almost absolutely nothing about RuPaul's Drag Race. I may have watched one or two episodes, but I'm not very um, knowledgeable about that, like, pop culture reference. Yeah, you know, it is funny um, because, like I said, RuPaul, very big into Tammy Faye and a lot of these kinds of uh, larger-than-life personas. It's part of the drag culture, this idea of, of exemplifying a character in this larger-than-life persona and being able to bring in kind of a love and positivity angle to it, right? The things that Tammy Faye represents as she is presented on the show outside of that baggage is something that is admirable and it's easy to understand why people would gravitate to it. You know, Rue is a, a deeply religious person, which we don't necessarily think of when we think of the LGBTQ community nowadays. Um, just because I, I think, uh, we've grown up in a society that's made it very clear that a lot of religious people do not care about being open and accepting of, uh, people from those backgrounds. Uh, we're learning that the hard way in the U.S. time and time again, you know? Um, and Tammy Faye is a stark contrast to that and thus fits in more and more with that line. You know, if you're an older school LGBTQ personality, ally, you know, public figure, you look at what Tammy Faye did and the human face that she put on a community that at the time was being outright ignored by the government as they were dying by the thousands, you know, it, it's, it's huge. It, it matters and it is worth recognizing, you know? Um, I, I, I do think that you, when, when it comes to the bakers in general, right? It's that constant ebb and pull of recognizing that she was the best person in a field that should not exist, right? Televangelists should not be a thing. It would, whatever religious beliefs you may or may not have, this is not a podcast that is about 
uh, religion. I've been Catholic school for 12 years uh, growing up, so I, I have a, a deep understanding of the kinds of cultures uh, that uh, get wrapped up and brought into that. So, like, I get it. I understand. Um, and I, I'm not here to, to condemn uh, anybody for where they end up on that question. I think we should all be able to agree that the Bible was not about how much money you could make, right? Uh, Jesus, in fact, had some very harsh words for tax collectors. Uh, he got he started flipping tables and shit um, because of how much he hated people trying to sell things in religious spaces. The idea of money and religion being separate was a big deal. He's the guy who said the whole, it is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven, right? It's a whole thing. And so the idea of televangelists existing at all is counterintuitive to the book that those televangelists will read quotes from in order to justify themselves. It, it should not be a thing. And you would hope, you would hope that that industry would be broken down and stopped. And instead, it is still wildly popular to this day. Uh, the people like an Olstein still make absurd amounts of money every year because people want easy answers. And if you tell people that they can give you money and God will see the sacrifices they made and reward them, people will literally give their last dollar to do that. Because when people are desperate, they will turn to the person offering them certainty. And we have allowed those people to have easy access to television and the wide audiences that television brings. So, you know, is Tammy Faye the best of those people to have ever been? Yes, undeniably. The, when you compare to the hateful rhetoric of, of so many of these other people and you think of the moments, not just the ones that are captured in this, but that are captured in, in so many, um, so much of her legacy nowadays. You get it, and you understand, and the, the humanity of that matters. And never should have been a position that she was in, you know? Um, there's, again, a much better version of the world in which she's just like, I don't know, a Christian recording artist, right? Nothing wrong with, with uh, recording Christian music and having an audience there. And she certainly was a very good singer and some of the production angles that you see with her does get incorporated into other musical styles, you know? Like, it it matters. It, 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 it could have been fine. As it was, it's complicated. And I, I do wish ultimately, that um, if not someone like RuPaul, who uh, I don't expect the uh, person who is profiting a whole bunch from fracking to have the kind of nuanced take on televangelism to say that maybe there's a different way that certain things can be presented. Um, I certainly would have hoped that this movie would be able to recognize that side of it maybe a little bit more. Um, and that's the kind of discomfort, I guess, that I feel watching this. And I, I feel the same discomfort when I talk about Tammy Faye on Drag Race, which I watch regularly with my roommate and a couple friends of mine here every week, you know? It's hard to ignore 
how much that side of it is ignored in order to focus on the positive of what she did bring. And I get it. I understand how and why we got there and why those are the things that keep people coming back to Tammy. And for the purposes of Jessica Chastain's performance, I'm, I'm not sure how much that I would change because I think she did a, a pitch perfect version of, of how she is presented. But I, I do think that that history and understanding is important to recognize that like, that it's a big omission. It is a big, big omission that we do not talk about the lives that were irreversibly damaged because the Baker family existed. We do not spend a moment in this film on the victims, you know? There's not a moment where, like, someone from the crowd or someone who sent money over the television, like, comes up to Tammy Faye and explains that they gave all this money and they never got anything back and now they're broke or their mom lost their... Play. You know, like, the, like consequences. Real, actual consequences for the harm that these people did never happens. It's never brought up. We're never meant to reckon with it because... The positives of Tammy Faye, the larger-than-life character that she was, it's more fun. It's more fun to pretend that the rest of it wasn't there. Um, and I, I do think that ultimately, like, how much you're able to appreciate those references on a show like Drag Race, how much you're able to appreciate this film is going to come down to your tolerance on that kind of revisionism, so to speak. Um, again... Would the film have been better getting into all of that? I don't know. But when I stopped watching the film, when I think about the film, I don't feel great about the fact that we don't ever have Tammy reckon with that. Tammy's only reckoning with it is in the loss that happens because of Jim Baker's arrest, because of his improprieties, because of his scandals, and the empire falls apart. It's not her. It's never her. And to a certain extent, it should have been. Because in real life, it was. It's hard. Listen, nothing is wrong with Christian music. I had a thousand foot crutch phase. You know, throw up your rock fist. That's, you know, all I can say there. Shout no, out to I, Skillet, I, by the way. Just throwing <laughs> that one out there. Yeah, I like Skillet too. I, I love Skillet. Uh, Lifehouse, um, mm -hmm. Flyleaf. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's some Christian elements there. Um, but this isn't a music podcast. This is a movie podcast. And I, I can't say anything else. I don't, I don't think I can say anything else um, about the movie. Obviously, I can't really say anything about RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, the, the pop culture that stood out to me was I have I had watched The Righteous Gemstones, you know, the month before this or whatever. And I see a lot of the Baker situation in The Righteous Gemstones. So if you want something that's a bit more, you know, humorous and critical and... Um, you know, kind of showing how this all kind of operates. And it, it's it's a funny show. You know, John Goodman's in it. Um, uh, Kenny Powers is in it. Um, the the dude from Workaholics and Pitch Perfect, um, he's in it. Like, so it's, it's, it's a funny show. Um, it's definitely not like... Th this story could be a really good FX American crime stories, like 10 part, you know, 10 episode, 8 episode season. They could do something about this if they wanted... Um, but at the end of the day, I watched the movie 
And I think you bring up a great, great point about how the, the victims never are really talked about other than the one woman constantly calls in and says that, you know, Jim Baker had sex on top of me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's never really brought up. None of the victims are brought up. None of none of them ever. There is no confrontation. The only time Tammy confronts anyone is she confronts the three kids sitting outside of her, you know, apartment that she's living in after she's, you know, divorced Jim and gone through everything. And she's just like, well, you can't make fun of me if you don't know me. So I'm Tammy Faye. Now you know me. Now you can say whatever you want, which is a, is a cute moment. Like, that's a funny moment. Great moment. Again, like in that world, there is none better than Tammy Faye. There's a lot to like about her. It really is. And I just, I just learned as I'm like looking at stuff. I didn't realize Jessica Chastain sang the songs. Yeah, she did. I didn't realize that that was her credit. So good on her. Maybe she'll also get a Grammy. <laughs> hey, uh, that'd be kind of crazy. The Grammys already happened, and we decided that oh. we needed to recognize Louis C.K. instead. So I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but speaking, speaking of things that that shouldn't have happened, at the end of this movie, given everything. I couldn't help but ask myself, why? Why is this a movie? Who is this movie for? What was the point? And I enjoyed the film. I'm not going to say, like, this was awful. This was, this, this was not Dune, where I'm going, why did they make this film? But there is a genuine curiosity to me of what about this story and the way they told it was so compelling that it absolutely had to be a movie. And beyond the performance of Jessica Chastain, I don't see it. That's it. That's the whole reason this exists. The entire reason that this film exists and the entire reason that this film got any attention at all, because it wasn't at the box office. It did not make a lot of money at the box office. Though, to be fair, I'm not sure it was ever designed to. Um, The entire reason this exists is as a vehicle for Jessica Chastain. Because... It is a character that is larger than life, that has had multiple documentaries and and other sort of, um, you know, uh, television or film portrayals, uh, who is a captivating person to watch, a very fun character slash human being. And watching Jessica Chastain handle that is is why we're here. It's the one reason to watch this film. Um everything else it's not it it wasn't made because they had a a big statement they wanted to make on the televangelism system right it's it's too inconsistent in its uh addressing of those things in order to really hit that home it's not a film about how uh jim and tammy like broke away from the typical televangelist to do something different because ultimately they didn't they were a part of that ecosystem until Jim Baker got uh, arrested. And then he went back to it later. Right. You know, Tammy, uh, her life after him, where she's dealing with cancer and, and a lot of the LGBT charity stuff that she works on is not talked about in this film very much. And so it's not about her as like a redemption story, which is a way that they could have done that, right? A like, oh my God, I realize now the errors of my ways and I'm dedicating my life towards fixing it. Like they could could have done that, chose not to. Um, it's not a film about like, you know, like a, like a moral, like here's how, you know, you need to be careful. And so you don't fall into the same trap that 
you know, she did because her story is not particularly relatable to the average person, right? You know, most of us don't go around looking for a significant other based on the number of Bible verses they can quote. Um, she is someone that is kind of uniquely absurd. And that's, and, and that's why we're here. She is a, a uniquely charismatic individual for better and for worse. And that's it. And if the film had anything else that it wanted to say, its tone would be more consistent. The scene-to-scene um, -scene plot would be a little bit more standard rather than picking and choosing seemingly at random moments from her life that they just happen to find particularly interesting. It is a, a kind of a, a, a mess of a viewing experience in every angle except for Jessica Chastain's performance, which is brilliant and keeps you grounded in a film that otherwise doesn't quite seem to know what it wants to be or what it should be. I think that is entirely reasonable. Chase, as we are wrapping up here, I need your final score. It's a six and a half out of ten. It's like, I want to like the film more than I do, mostly because I think Jessica Chastain's performance is an 11 out of ten. She does an incredible job. I don't love what the film is around that. And and I, I won't repeat myself on the things that I wish the film was or, or that I wish the film had handled differently or better or whatever else, because I, I think I've hit those points enough. But ultimately, Jessica Chastain's performance deserved a film that had a much more clear purpose, that had a much more clear vision, a much more clear um design a, a holistic approach to the story that tracked from scene to scene from arc to arc and the only thing that is here that grounds this film is that tammy Faye is an incredibly captivating individual and if that's what you want if that's what you're looking for from the film you just want to see a really great acting performance from a really interesting human being uh, covering a, a larger-than-life person. Like, absolutely, Eyes of Tammy Faye is going to give you that. I just don't think it gives you anything else. I would absolutely agree with you. Um, I am going to say six puppets reading the work of Paul to the people of Corinth out of ten. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was okay. I think it was a decent film. Honestly, without Chestane's performance, I probably would have related it lower and it would have been like a five. It would have been an average film at best. Oh, um, yeah. I never would have watched it yeah. if it wasn't for her performance, if she hadn't won an Oscar for it. Um, I, and I agree. I think the film was purely just a conduit for her. Um, and I, hey, at least we got a... F I, I can't even make fun of Andrew Garfield anymore. Like it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It was mediocre. <laughs> Chase, take us home. Where can the good folks at home find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me uh, and my rants against uh, various grifters of all walks of life uh, at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Um, we love hearing from you guys. If there's anything, uh, any of the other Oscar films that, that we haven't talked about yet that you'd be really interested in, in, in seeing our response on. I know neither of us are particularly interested in CODA, but we will do it if that's what people want. We will give the people what they ask for. So 
uh, reach out to us there on social uh, if there is something that you'd like to see us uh, spend some more time and energy on. And uh, be sure to, to stay tuned in the feed uh, if you're... Uh, obviously, there is the Final Cut feed if you just want the movie stuff, but we also have the Rough Drafts podcast feed on all of your uh, big podcast platforms uh, for those of you who would also enjoy Final Cut, which is the video game podcast that Walter and I do during the weeks in which we're not doing this. Um, and K-pop shenanigans, which I swear has a new episode coming. One day my life will become less insane and I will actually get that editing done. I don't know how you do it, Walter. I, I just, I will get, I want to th- I give you all of the credit and, and love in the world for editing these in, in such a uh, neat timetable because my OCD does not make that an expedient process. So thanks for your patience, K-pop people. Um, and thank you, Walter, for putting in the work on these. Well, Chase, it really helps to steam clean your PC. <laughs> it's true. You do need to... Because that's the name of the gaming podcast, not yes. Final Cut. What did I say? <laughs> you said Final Cut. <laughs> so I, well, I said... I, 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 Final Cut is this feed. My... I'm tired. I'm very sorry, y'all. It's been a week. <laughs> Steam Cleaners is the, the gaming podcast where Chase and I play games that we haven't played yet, and then we talk about them. And it's a little bit... I'd say it's a little bit looser than this. We we really kind of just go back and forth and just let stream of conscious go. Uh, you guys can always find me at CADs underscore LOL. And you know what, Chase? I'm going to make your life a whole lot easier for the next episode of Final Cut. We're going to watch Spencer. We're going to talk about Princess Diana. Because screw it. Let's do two female lead movies in a row where the movie is clearly to get an actress over. So two weeks from now, Kristen Stewart, Spencer, we'll see you then. Goodbye, Internet.